Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, at least we're through with it, right? We're done. We're over. It's awful. It's gone. Oh, man. I feel the same way every year. We've gotten through Christmas. And it doesn't help the fact that it's starting like the 4th of July nowadays, right? As Stephanie's grandfather used to say, there is nothing over quite like Christmas. Christmas is over and even the wise men have gone home. Well, except here. We still have a couple of wise men in Bethlehem, a couple of banners up. But for the most part, Christmas decorations are down. I mean, everywhere. And they've been down since like the first of the year. And I want to remind you, just sort of as, as a necessary reminder, you can leave your Christmas decorations up through Epiphany. Especially lights and candles and wise men. The entire season of Epiphany is about the revelation of Christ into the world. The light is coming into the world, right? So anything with lights, candles, you can all leave that up. But we really don't, do we? We, uh, we take it all down. We put it all away. Most of my stuff has been put away except for the things that are sort of sitting in the boxes up the stairs because I don't like to pull the little thing down because I don't know what's up there. And things every once in a while jump out at me. So I usually, I make Nicole do it and she's already left for college. So the stuff in the hall may just be there until she gets back for spring break. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like de-decorating. I mean, I'm not a big fan of decorating either, but I really don't like taking stuff down. And I think part of it is there's a risk that we take when we take down the decorations and we put everything away. You know, when the wreath goes in the box and the roping hits the trash and the tree gets unplugged. Yeah, we get to unplug our tree because we went from analog trees to digital trees this year. So now the, the tree has a speaker and it sings Old Town Road for whatever reason. But when we put everything away, we risk putting away the purpose of this Christ child. Jesus has come, born of a woman, born under the law to those who are under the law. This is why He has come. Now, if we were poor shepherds watching our flocks by night, it would take us 30 years from seeing this baby being born to figuring out later on if we'd lived that long and known well enough what the purpose of this Christ child is. And thankfully, we're not shepherds. I'm going to refrain from saying most of you aren't wise men either. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I didn't say it. But we get to fast forward those 30 years. To see this bridge, this connection from this baby to the baptism of Jesus. Now, presumably all sorts of people came out to the river to see and to be baptized by John the Baptist. Even his critics came out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came out. And maybe they came out to question and, and jest. Or, or maybe they came out to, to, to be baptized. But as well as them, you also had people come out like farmers. Who were coming to turn over a new leaf. And bakers who, who came to heat their soul. And laborers who came to 
to dig the forgiveness of the Lord. And there were also soldiers. Even Gentiles came out to hear John's preaching and to be baptized. And then Jesus comes to the Jordan River. And there he is, standing amid the brood of vipers, taking his place in line with the baker and the farmer and the laborer. And Jesus requests to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John would have had nothing to do with it. And Jesus says, let it be. For all righteousness needs to be fulfilled. And, and John had a, a really good point. Because John's baptism is a, is a baptism of repentance. And Jesus is in no need of repentance. Although he stands with the brood of vipers, he's not one of them. He has not committed their sins. The baker who sells stale bread sort of scuffs off the little moldy sections when no one's looking and puts the bread back on the shelf. He's not like the farmer who hides rotten produce in the bottom of the bushel barrel. He's not like the day laborer who comes in late, leaves early, takes a long lunch, or the tax collectors or the soldiers. John is baptizing those who are under the divine threat of God's wrath. And Jesus has no need of this baptism. And John knows it. And he says, I'm not going to stand for it. And Jesus' response is firm. I will be baptized. To fulfill righteousness. You see, Jesus has come to make his stand with sinners. He has come to stand with the sinners, to eat with sinners, to weep for sinners, to call sinners into the great kingdom of God. And he is to be our chief. Our high priest. And he shoulders the burden of them all. As we said in Christmas, and the government will be upon his shoulders. When Jesus is baptized, he becomes the embodiment of all of humanity. Jesus repents. Not for crimes that he committed, but for crimes that he didn't. Jesus repents for the crimes that we've committed. For the sins that we've committed. For the short words that we have spoken. For the evil thoughts we have thought. Crimes that he did not commit. Jesus stands in for all of humanity. And he tells John, let it be. For Jesus has chosen to side with sinners. Jesus has chosen to stand amongst the brood of vipers. Jesus has chosen to die for the baker. Jesus chose to die for the day laborer. Jesus has chosen to die for the farmer. 
And then to, to everybody's surprise, heaven, heaven opens up and spills forth a loud amen. Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, first day on the job. And already the boss is going, woohoo! What a great job my son is doing. Jesus is baptized. He steps out into the shore and heaven issues this loud applause. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is not just anybody's son. This is my son. And I don't just think he's doing an okay job. I am thinking he is well pleased. He's doing a great job. Jesus takes his stand with humanity. And visibly the dove of the Holy Spirit of God alights upon him. And audibly the voice of God the Father takes his stand with Christ. I understand those on the riverbank must have been stunned or confused. I mean, Jesus looks ordinary enough, right? He looks a lot like the baker. Looks like a farmer, like a day laborer, or a carpenter. But this one, this one who's been anointed by John and approved by God, this Jesus makes his stand with sinners and he has made himself one of our company. John the Baptist's baptism is not the same as our baptism. The path that John pointed to was not finished. There was still a cross, there was still an empty tomb, a resurrection and ascension to come. We are baptized with more than just repentance. We're baptized with more than mere water. Jesus baptizes us with the fire of his death. Jesus baptizes us with the spirit of his resurrection, for Christ stands with us. What he was we become. And what was ours, we have given unto Him. Our moldy bread, our misused hours, our rotten fruit, this we give unto Christ. And in this, what Luther called the happy exchange is made in our baptism. We gave Christ our sin and our death. And He exchanged it for life and resurrection. This is my Lord, of whom I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. Let us rise. We'll confess the faith. On this first Sunday of Epiphany is traditionally celebrated as the day that we commemorate the baptism of our Lord. Today we confess the words of the Apostles' Creed regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. And we also speak the words from Luther's small catechism regarding the work of the Spirit through baptism. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As the Holy Spirit works through the means of grace, we ask, 
How can the water used in holy baptism do such great things? Certainly not just water.